while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. I'm Chris. And we are joint, you know, so we've been having a lot of the statewide, countywide candidates for office in over the last few weeks. It's been a lot of fun. It's been very busy. Uh, And we're joined now um, by Plymouth County District Attorney uh, Tim Cruz. DA Cruz, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. So um, you, I mean, I think people in Plymouth County know who you are. You've been the DA there since 2001. Um, Why have you decided to run for re-election? Well, I think that we've been doing an awful lot of good work, especially on the front end, trying to help kids keep them out of the criminal justice system. And you, know, when you're dealing with that sort of work with kids who are drug endangered, kids who are high at risk, kids who have average childhood experiences, we're trying to make our schools trauma sensitive. We've really been leaving uh, the, the country in many of the things that we've been doing. And that in conjunction with our drug abuse task force and our Plymouth County outreach, dealing with the opioid crisis, we've made a lot of front end par- progress. On the back end, we've done a lot of good stuff with reentry stuff and um, – in the middle of holding people accountable, you know, and I think that's, to me, we've done, we've done a good job, and I think I'm really proud of the people that work in our office, and I think it's been making a significant difference, and I want to continue to do that. So um, what do you think the difference is between you and your opponent in this race? Uh, we, we are completely different. My, my opponent is a former ACLU lawyer who is, wants to defund the police. He wants to get rid of life without parole. He wants to have no cash bail. He wants to have a list of cases that will not be prosecuted. I am against all of those. Those do not work. When you talk to, when you look around the country right now, and you look at the progressive DAs who are out there, uh, you know they talk about reimagining criminal justice. And I say this: you don't have to reimagine anything. San Francisco, L.A., Portland, Seattle, New York, Baltimore, Philadelphia. Crime is skyrocketing left and right in those places because they refuse to do their jobs. Their job is to prosecute the laws, not just the laws they like, but prosecute them all. We're speaking with Plymouth County District Attorney Tim Cruz. We're also taking your calls and taking messages on the app chat, 508-996-0500. So about the do not prosecute list, let's say um, so. Sim- let's say there's uh, simple possession cases, right? Possession Class B, uh, for example. If someone with a clean record and a possession Class B comes in, is that a case that your office is inclined to prosecute? Well, probably what would, what would happen with that? Every, every case comes in, and what you have to look at is you have to look at the offenders, not the offenses. So if somebody comes in with a straight possession class B, but they have a history of that, you're going to treat that person differently than if you're going to treat somebody who is a first-time offender with a small amount of, of personal use amount. And is that case going to get dismissed? It probably is going to get diverted, which means that it's going to, it's going to end up going away. I mean, uh, many of the progressive DAs across America talk about diversion like they invented it. They didn't. It's been around for, it's been around for 40 years. It's nothing new. So, District Attorney, uh, Cruz, you have um, been here since the, really the start of the opioid crisis. It's been absolutely devastating, right? It, it's just not the inner cities anymore. It's the, it's the suburbs. It's been devastating in communities like Marion, Matapoise at Lakeville, Rochester, all the communities of our listening audience. 
I see you have an opioid task force. What are you folks doing? What can you do? What should people expect you to do? Well, I mean, I, th- I think that you should expect us to do, I mean, I guess the way I, I describe the DA's office now, we're not your grandfather's DA's office. Okay. It's not just prosecuting cases anymore. Now with your specialized courts, your drug courts, mental health courts, veterans courts, and doing more things in the community and working together. When the opioid crisis be really kicked going. And the thing that got my attention was back in, you know, all the DAs have state police that work for them and they deal with all unattended deaths, people who die not in a hospital setting, not in a nursing home, uh, but they pass. And we saw our fatal opioid overdoses double in a couple of years, down from 2012 to 2013. It was right around that time that you'd been seeing virtually every town was starting up their own little programs. Okay. You know, the uh, Marshfield Facts Program, a Plymouth Youth Development Program, trying to get together and get information because people were really concerned about this. You know, the oxys were just kicking off to, the, to that extent. Uh, and so how do you make uh, something that's good for everybody? And you could have gone to a meeting every single night of the week somewhere in the county. So what myself and Sheriff McDonald, and the Sheriff's been there for a while in Plymouth County also, uh, we put together the Plymouth County Drug Abuse Task Force. And really what that is, it's a clearinghouse of information of, of people who are de- dealing with their fields. We, we were dealing with an educational subcommittee, which is Bridgewater State University, Quincy College, bringing in the educators, legislative, judicial, faith-based. We're bringing in people talking about with, with the suicide prevention issues that are going on. Hospitals. We had every hospital in our county involved in this. Law enforcement, which out of law enforcement became Plymouth County Outreach, which I'll get into in a little bit, but um, it really is bringing people together, talking about what you can do to try to get in front of this insidious problem and disease, and not to deal with the people who have the, the disease itself, mm-hmm. to go after the people who are doing it. How, to selling that stuff. You need to go after and reduce the supply, and you need to let people understand that if they're going to sell that poison, and that's what it is, and they are killing our loved ones, that they are going to be held accountable. And that's really you know, part of my job, reduce the supply, making sure we can go out there, go to the schools, talk about these things, and also try to help the community as best we can. So, um, District Attorney uh, Cruz, we have, uh, so my question is, I've heard the term what you just used, poison, used, used recently, where it's people have, are not, they're, they're, they're unintentionally consuming uh, fentanyl. They think they're going to consume heroin or cocaine or something like that. And it's been marijuana. Laced, right? Marijuana, right? So that's a real thing, correct? Sure. And, and um, are you able to, what, what is the success rate, or has it been tried much, with prosecuting drug dealers for murder or, or homicide? Well, I think, you know, we, we've had a number of manslaughters, okay. which, which is a lesser, uh, I mean, murder means an intentional action. I intended to kill you with okay. malice, okay? okay? Manslaughter is reckless and wanton endangerment. So, therefore, if I sold you uh, something that had fentanyl in it, and you, I should know or reasonably believe you have a good opportunity that you're going to die, okay. all right? Because it's a dangerous substance, and I'm providing that to you. So, what we end up doing is we end up prosecuting those individuals on those cases that we can prove. The challenge is, however, is that I mean, we have to prove every element of every crime charge. And so therefore, how do we prove half the times it's that the dealer gave it to that person if that person passed? If there's a witness there, many times that person is also using themselves. Right. They don't want to give up their dealers because you know, right. that's their source. Sure. This is the sort of disease and this is the sort of problem that people really will do anything for these drugs. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all seen it. I mean, everybody knows somebody who's gone down, gone down this, sure. this, 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 this rabbit hole. Absolutely. And, and, and what would you do to make sure you could protect your children, to pre- protect your neighbors? Uh, I think to me, the, the thing that people want us to do is to use the law as best as we can to make sure that we can effectively go after the people who are distributing these drugs. At the same time, help the people who are using it. 
And also try to get in front of that. And also the next step is how do you break cycles? How do you break cycles of domestic violence and of child abuse and of drug abuse? How do you stop that? How do you stop today's kid who's using, you know, their kids from using down the road? Those are the things that we've been dealing with in, in our office, and they're very interesting, well above, you know, what, what I would normally know I mean, as a lawyer from Brockton. But like I said, through the task force, we've been able to bring people in to explain things to us and try to help us break these cycles, and I think we've been successful. We're speaking with Plymouth County District Attorney uh, Tim Cruz. So um, how has the uh, legalization of recreational marijuana, because we're just now seeing the dispensaries pop up. You know, there's one in Wareham in in Plymouth County. There's probably a bunch in Plymouth County. Uh, How has that affected uh, how you have done your job? Well, I mean, I, I think I was an opponent to the legalization of marijuana because my position, much like all the DAs at that time, was that Massachusetts was not ready for it. I think it's proven. We're proven we're not ready for it. Really? From, from, from people operating, operating under the influence of drugs, right. we don't have a standard. Like in mm. alcohol, it's .08. We don't have a number that you can quantify with that. Yeah. And also, you know, you can't – I can't smell – I can't pull you over if I see you – the car driving down the right. road. If I smell yeah. it, I can't pull you over anymore. If I see you drinking a beer – I, I can pull you over for right. that then. So there's a lot of discrepancies between those two laws. And what we were saying all along was was that why don't we wait for that? You know, because we, we, we started with medicinal and then, you know, there was decrim of a certain amounts going, going in that fashion. Yes. And now you're right. And now what we're seeing, it's, it's really funny because I was so against it. And now I truly believe the only marijuana you can rely on that it's not laced is what you buy at one of these shops. Yeah, right. You know, kids, right. kids, kids don't know what they're doing when they go in. They go into a house party. Maybe, maybe somebody had a joint and take a hit of a joint. And you don't – it's marijuana, right? Kids, right? kids believe marijuana is organic. It's, that it's almost good for you. They think nicotine is terrible. <laughs> right. But they, they believe that marijuana is not bad for you because that's what they've been taught. You know, we always hear the things about brain development, development, things such as that. That is a big issue. And I, the, the doctors I've talked to said the longer you can wait in your cycle as you grow up, staying away from alcohol and marijuana drugs, the better off your brain will be as it develops as you grow, grow into an adult. So when you see kids now who are 16, 17, 18, and they're not supposed, that's still illegal in Massachusetts, it's right. under 21. But that's kids, right. but kids it's, like, it's like alcohol when we were all we growing got up, it. right? I mean, right. Absolutely. I mean, I mean when, I, when I was growing up, the drinking age was 18. Right. And, right. and so that was a long time ago. Uh, you, there are ways you could get that stuff, and, yes. and kids did do that, much like with the marijuana. Now. So I'm very concerned about that, and I'm very concerned about trying to prove these OUI drug cases because it's an incredible challenge with alcohol, and I think without any standards, it's it's very difficult. Yeah, actually, um, you know, when we had when I had a OUI drug cases, there was almost always a dismissal. I mean, there's certain circumstances. If you have the use of Narcan and admission on, on the record, sometimes the the DA the the assistant DA will be more uh, prone to, to to trying it. But you need the standards are actually really high, right? You need a, a licensed medical professional to come in and testify to the amount of that's in your in your uh, system. Well, I mean, e- even if you did that, they in lay the fact that there is no like 0.08 which is per se under the yeah. influence you're saying well that is for a person of a, of a standard size yeah because, right because it's going to affect everybody differently depending on how tall they are how big they are right mm-hmm. like alcohol how much can i take into my system and plus the, the dissipation rate is so much less for yeah. a mar- if i smoke marijuana today it would probably be in my system for a month if i drank a beer today right. it'd probably be gone within 24 hours right you know so so you you're all, and you're always going to get somebody who's oh i have secondary smoke i had this i had that you're always 
always going to get challenges to it. And I think the important thing is for the police officers is, is, is they're now being challenged more than ever. I think the important thing for them is to make sure they continue to do their job. And if they're in doubt and if they believe that there's probable cause to arrest someone for those drugs, is to do it. Because, yeah. in fact, you don't want somebody getting back behind the wheel and potentially having something terrible happen. We're speaking with District Attorney uh, Cruz of Plymouth County. Uh, so for the folks out there listening, that's Mattapoisin, Marion, Wareham, Lakeville, Rochester. Rochester. Um, all the Plymouth. Cranberry County. Cranberry County. It's an enormous county. Yeah. It's an enormous county. You have a lot of police departments that you, that you work with. What is your relationship like with the local police? I think it's very good. I think they understand my job. My job, we work with them. Uh, they don't work for me. I think there's a mistake. Some people actually believe the police work for me. They do not. Uh, right. And, you know, when there comes time when police officers, when they themselves, because, you know, they're, they're humans themselves. If they make a, a mistake or if they commit a crime, they're also going to should be expected to be prosecuted. And that's what happens in our county. We prosecute the people that, that break the crimes. And it certainly doesn't matter who you are. Um, you, you do the job as best as you can. So my relationship is, is great. Like the Plymouth County Police Chiefs, uh, I meet with them every month. Uh, we all meet at, at our, their annual, their, their monthly luncheon. Uh, they've just endorsed me again for every time I run. The, the police chiefs always endorse. They've been great. Uh, and But they understand they have a job. So when we have to put together you know, our Brady list and our, and our list regarding that, regarding the individuals we have to put on that, the police officers who perhaps have been convicted right. of a crime or get okay. a cloth, whatever, uh, you know, you have to do that. Yes. And, that, and that's... I don't enjoy it, but that's part of the job. Right. And, and therefore, you have to do whatever the law tells you to do, you do it. And like I said, I can't pick and choose the laws I like and the laws I don't like. I have to go forward with them. We're speaking with Plymouth County District Attorney Tim Cruz. So um, what was your position on the police reform bill that had been passed last year? Well, I mean, I, th- I think that it was, a, it was an enormous, an enormous bill. Uh, and I think that there were some good things, and I think there were some things that uh, have left it challenging, including you hear of all the police now about the bridge academies and, you know, you have the, the peace officer standard and trainings issues. Uh, so now I, I think when that stuff's all up and running, if somebody makes a, an allegation against a police officer, say I'm a police officer and I pulled you over for drunk driving and you allege that I did something to you whatever, and you take me to the post commission, I think what happens then is that that is going to really slow down any criminal cases that we have because yeah. now the police officer is going to be looking out for themselves and you can't really blame them for that. They're going to be going up in front of this commission at some point. I think you can expect to see a log jam up there at some point. I think you're going to see very difficult to get in. There's going to be a long waiting line for those sort of things to go on. So I'm hopeful that, you know, uh, that they work something out. I know the sheriffs are all very upset about the fact that uh, the, the the deputy sheriffs now have to fall by that bridge academy, take 2,500 hours of additional police training in order to do details. That's really going to affect, especially the smaller communities, the communities who rely on the deputy sheriffs to do details. They don't have enough police officers to do right. details. And not even so much out in the eastern part of the state, but out west, yes. the yeah. in western part of Massachusetts, which is you know, some of the towns don't, don't have uh, police departments. You know, they rely on the state police. How do you get somebody to do a detail if you don't have the bodies to do it? Right. Um, and I think that was not well thought out. I'm hopeful they're going to be able to uh, uh, figure things out as best they can and uh, without lit- litigation, but like virtually everything, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where it ends up. We're actually going to take a break, yeah. and then we'll, we'll be right back. This is uh, South Coast Tonight with Chris and Marcus. We're here with District Attorney Cruz. We have Plymouth County District Attorney uh, Mr. Cruz here here in the, in the office with us. We're in the office today. And uh, yeah. so... We're having a lovely chat off the air, and um, one of the questions I had asked you uh, off the air is, you've had a lot of cases in the time you've been a district attorney. When you're looking back, what's one of the more memorable, if tragic, cases you've had? 
Yeah, I think that's that's a great way to put it, memorable and tragic, because unfortunately a lot of them are that way. But I, I, I would I would say that the one that really jumps out at me was the one that occurred in July of 2001, uh, 2002, excuse me, and that was a young woman, 30-year-old woman, was murdered in the Burger King on 495 uh, in Bridgewater. And uh, that was a horrific crime. I remember getting the call, going there that morning, talking to the, it was then Chief, uh, George Gurley was the chief of the Bridgewater Police at the time. And I showed up there, and the state police were there, and I remember looking at that scene and seeing what had happened, and then finding out about the case and all the nuances of it, of this of this person who had committed this crime, the sexual predator who had murdered this poor young girl. And the things that we ended up doing over the course of the next two years, we, you know, obviously we prosecuted this man. He was he was convicted of first-degree homicide. He's gonna, he went to jail for the rest of his life, which is good. Yes. Uh, and I'll never forget when he was convicted, he cried like a baby in court. And I think he's crying for himself. He doesn't care about anybody else but right. himself. Right. Uh, so he, he was gone. But then uh, Ali Zapps, uh, the woman who was murdered, her mom was Andrea Casanova. And she was a very powerful, strong woman. And we found out that the, 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 the law for sexually dangerous persons was not working because Paul Leahy should have been – we had tried to put him in. Uh, he had done time for rape. He had been released. He got arrested on OUI. He got arrested on accosting. And he, was, he had done time on those. We tried to have him committed as a sexually dangerous person. But because those crimes were not deemed to be sex offenses, you couldn't deem him as a sexually dangerous person. So he okay. was released. So for two years after this offense – uh, we went and uh, went to the legislature, testified at the Gardner Auditorium a number of times. And we were, although everybody said to us, all the reps and senators said to us, oh, you're right, this is a no-brainer, it should pass. It took two years. And I'll never forget going up the last time there. And mom's a real strong, incredible woman. Uh, and I remember testifying, saying, you know what? This law needs to get changed because in the last two years, there's at least 30 people I would have moved on sexually dangerous, but I can't because the law doesn't let me. It's time to change it. Right. And finally, it was changed. Uh, and uh, so that now if somebody does commit a sex offense and we deem them to be, we bring a doctor in, a qualified examiner to make a determination if somebody's sexually dangerous, then at that point, if that's the case, if that's the route we're going, they're going to have a hearing. It's going to be based upon the totality of the circumstances, not just this one offense itself. It's going to look at the entire picture of that person which shows you a better uh, overall examination of what that person is about. A more holistic approach, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, speaking of uh, changing the law, there's been a proposed change, and Charlie Baker's sort of seen this as a legacy project, and he's endorsed your campaign for, for, yes, DA, for yes. re-election, right? Yes. Um, so uh, it's the expansion of uh, the dangerousness laws sure. to hold somebody as a danger, and for people who aren't familiar, you can hold people up for 120 days district, 180 days superior court, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what's your opinion on uh, that bill? Do you think it's too expansive? Are there things you like or things you don't like? No, I think it should be expanded. I think it gives us uh, more tools in the toolbox, and it's unfortunate because people think that, you know, oh, geez, we I know some people say, oh, we need more data on it. We need to send that to a blue ribbon commission, which is, you know, you, that's just that just kills the bill. It's not yeah. going anywhere. Uh, and and, I, and I, what we're trying to expand more specifically is like sex crimes against children. For some reason, that's not in there. And I, I don't need more data to tell me that somebody rapes a little kid that that person is a dangerous person. And what we're looking to do is to have a hearing in front of a judge to give us that opportunity to hold that person and also expend the, the length of that dangerousness hearing from the time of the arraignment until the end of the case. Because you're not going to get any cases done in 120 days, 150 days. If there's drugs involved, the turnaround time on the drugs from the crime lab is yeah. months. You know, and right. the, same thing with the DNA. Uh, and people don't people all watch CSI and, right. and they're yeah. getting that stuff overnight. <laughs> no. Paul and, Walsh once told me the worst thing for district attorney 
attorneys were all those television shows. I think shows. he's right. Right? Yeah. You know, I mean, because people, you know, they, that's crime to conviction in 60 minutes with a commercial. Right, right. right. I yeah. mean, it's, so, so it, it, it's always a challenge. But I think that would have been a great change and a, and a good uh, opportunity for everyone to understand that the DAs aren't making the decision except for the fact we want to have a bigger group of cases we can look at mm-hmm. to try to keep the community safer. Nobody, uh, I'm not overusing it. I know we don't, we don't overuse the 258 days. You, know, you use them for the people who are what they are, the most dangerous people that are going to potentially hurt somebody else. That's it, pure and simple. Let the judge make the call, but give us the opportunity, and I think that's really what we're looking for. So we're speaking with District Attorney uh, Cruz. So, Mr. District Attorney, the asked you this question off the air but if you you have a big county you border bristol county um tom quinn does a good job here he's pretty tough on crime for a democrat very tough on crime actually for a democrat do criminals migrate based on where they think they're going to get prosecuted and not prosecuted and how does that impact if you if you are in a soft on crime or a more understanding for crime district attorney what does that mean what does that do to a community you know, I, I think you can be you, you can you can be both. I, I think you can understand the situation that your community is in and at the same time make sure that you can hold people accountable for their actions. I think that's what works. I think it's working in our county. You know, and like I said, front end stuff, back end stuff, accountability in the middle. When you do that you can watch your, your, your numbers go down. Here what we're having in, in, in our county, you know, um, in the last seven years in the city of Brockton, you know, our homicides, our rapes, our robberies are down twenty percent. Our shootings are in that same time period. I'm not just talking COVID time. I'm talking 2015. Same time period. Shootings are down 35%. People being shot are down 25%. And at the same time, you know, we're watching our incarceration incarceration rates go down. What does that tell you? That tells you what you're doing is right. The right people are in jail. The most dangerous people are in jail. And when when you go after those individuals, those small group of individuals who cause the vast majority of the crime, and you target them, and you remove them through the criminal justice system, we're all safer. It so works. I've heard the term, Mayor, Mayor Mitchell has used it as a former federal prosecutor. The chief of police here in New Bedford has used it. Impact players, right? Yeah. People who cause the most chaos. That's what you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, we've been members of, I've had federal programs, you know, that you, you go through Project Safe Neighborhood, Weed and Seed, all sorts of programs where you get funding from the feds and you work in conjunction with the feds. But the biggest thing I find from all those programs is getting all the, all the police law enforcement in a room. Not you know you're talking the feds you're talking FBI DEA ATF you're talking parole probation you're talking the local state federal sitting around and talking and sharing that information we do that an awful lot with the Boston uh, police because the there's a connection between Boston and Brockton okay. and right. so therefore we bring them in they have conversations on those individuals and trying to make sure that we can keep people safe um, you know they, they they do a tremendous job with that and and I think like like the 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 mayor and the the former police chief say I think when you do that. You can drive your numbers down. But having said that, you also have to help the aftermath. You have okay. to help those kids. Um, what we see an awful lot of, whether they be drug-endangered kids who are watching their parents uh, overdose or their brothers and sisters overdose, if you don't get in touch with those kids at an earlier age and get them help, you, know, you are going to be dealing with kids who have adverse childhood experiences, who are going to be at risk, and they're going to be using drugs later on. That's why, you know, through our Children's Advocacy Center that we have, which is nationally accredited, from going to the schools and talking about uh, and and talking through our CAC, making sure we can get uh, resources for those kids, driving down 
child abuse numbers, driving down domestic violence numbers, help, getting those kids help when they need it. We had, you know, I think a year back or so, probably roughly a thousand cases coming through our CAC of kids who have been sexually or physically abused. And, you know, you can't prosecute all those cases because some of those cases are just plain unprosecutable. They're, they're babies. They can't testify. They can't go forward. But you can get them help. And if you don't do that, today's perpetrator, it's victim, could be tomorrow's perpetrator. Right. How do you stop that? We're speaking with District uh, Plymouth County District Attorney Tim Cruz. So you're talking about um, you know national accreditation. It says here that you are the uh, vice president of the Massachusetts District Attorneys Association. I think Tom Quinn's the president. Is, is that correct? Yeah. And you're the vice president of the National District Attorneys Association. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm vice president, and I'm on the exec, I'm on the executive board of uh, uh, the National DAs. Paul was part of that. What Paul Walsh was. Paul was what? president. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, one of the years when when I was there. Yeah. yeah. Did a good job. What kind of work do you guys do on those on those associations? You know, I mean, really, it's it's sharing information. And it's talking about, I talk about what we're doing here in Plymouth County in Massachusetts, and we're looking at, we share information every day. I, I get, I, I was getting emails as I was pulling into the, the parking lot here today regarding uh, potential federal legislation that they're looking for the support of the national DA's board. Um, so it, when I talk about what we're doing in Plymouth County, I'll be honest with you, they add, they say to me, how do you get, like, we have Plymouth County Outreach, which is 27 police chiefs all agreeing, signing an MOU Within 12 to 24 hours after a non-fatal overdose, a plainclothes police officer and a recovery coach go there and bring information. Huh. That does, and the other the DAs from across the country go, how do you get 27 police chiefs to agree today's Monday? Right, you know? right, right. Because, because it's hard. Oh, yeah. And, and, it, and, and it costs resources. And that came out of our, our task force. And what we saw, even during, for the opioid stuff, and we saw our numbers declining until COVID came. When COVID came, the numbers went back up. And the reason they went back up, I think, is because the, 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 the coaches and the police officers couldn't go to the houses. Oh, sure. Right. So once that went away, our numbers are going back down again. Every county in, in Massachusetts, but for Plymouth County, their fatal opiate overdoses went up through June 30th of this year. Our numbers are going back down. I think there's something to that. I think there's something to, once again, uh, all of these groups working together as one. That's what makes the difference. I, I, I bring I myself bring nothing special. Any 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 any. I am a lawyer from Brockton. That's what I do. But you know what? Though I know how to get people together. Okay. And and getting them together, the smart people, the right people. That's what makes the difference. And I think that's what we've been successful at. Do you think that um, you know, sitting on the Massachusetts District Attorney Association, you're a Republican. There's one other Republican, Michael O'Keefe, who's outgoing. Um, mostly Democrats. Um, do you think that your philosophies on prosecution uh, align with most of the DAs in, in the Commonwealth, or um, do you think that you might be a little bit different? Um, well, I mean, I'm the, the vegetarian at the cattle ranchers convention. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's, I'm, all, I'm always different. Um, however, having said that, the vast majority of the DAs, no matter what they're, if they're an R or D, uh, they believe in what I believe in. And they believe in trying to keep people safe. And although we may differ sometimes as to how to get there, I, I think we're generally all on the same page. Uh, even, you know, we've had a couple of progressive DAs over the last couple of years. That's been different. I'll yeah. be honest with you. That's been very different than anything that I've handled before. Um, but, you know, I think we're all respectful of each other uh, to the extent that we can be and make sure that we have our positions and go forward with that. 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Thanks for holding. You're live with the district attorney. Hi. I'm from Mattapoisa, and I was listening to uh, Mr. Cruz, and I see that so many DAs across our country are, aren't prosecuting crimes that are petty and even some very large felony-type things. What guarantees can he give us that uh, 
he will be able to be sure that doesn't happen in our county. Well, that's a good question, and I agree with that. I mean, I think that the, the district attorney's position, I mean, I take an oath every four years when I get sworn in that I'm going to uphold uh, the Mass Declaration of Rights here in Massachusetts and the U.S. Constitution. So, therefore, my job, and I think that we've been doing for the last 21 years, is making sure that I prosecute all the crimes. And when I say prosecute, that means we look at them all. You can't come out in a blanket sweep and say, I'm not going to look at these 15 crimes. And because allegedly they're too busy because they're going to focus on more violent crime, any brand new ADA that's been working in any district court for a year can look at a file and make a determination at that point whether or not that case should be assessed. Should that case be diverted? Should right. it be null press? Should it go? It does. It's, it's not rocket science. If somebody's got a, got a significant history, you look at it. But what I'm very concerned about are the DAs across America who choose to allow this mayhem going on. Correct. People who are stealing from people who are working hard, having their own little stores. How can you allow people walk into somebody's store where they've worked hard for their whole life and just take and destroy? That is unacceptable. We need to make sure that the people that do that are arrested and that they're prosecuted. And maybe they won't get really a, a hard whack the first time in. That's why you need to look at their histories. I'm pushing for, and I've talked to other DAs and national DAs, what we need to do and focus on, because many of these individuals steal small amounts of things. It's okay. Less than a certain amount of value. They're all misdemeanors. And they know it, right? Exactly. Right. Oh, they're not stupid. They're no. thieves, but they're not stupid. Right. So, so what we need to do, as some states are doing right now, is do an aggregation. If somebody does it five times, aggregate them. Aggregate the value of that. Charge them with a felony and make it have some teeth. If you do that, I think that we're going to be able to send the word that this, we're not going to tolerate this. Civilized societies cannot tolerate this. We have to have law and we have to have order. Thanks for the call, sir. I appreciate it. 508-996-0500. I'll stick your messages on the app chat. Good evening. You're live with DA Cruz. Uh, good evening. I'm so glad, <clears throat> pardon me, that you have the DA on. I had a very serendipitous meeting with one of his staff 13 days ago, and six days later, uh, she got approval to come and speak at my, originally my small Bible study, but then I opened it to the community, and the person was Kathleen Gately, who has 20 years experience in human trafficking, and she's been with um, uh, DA Cruz for the last four years, so I'm so glad to hear your voice on DA Cruz. Really appreciated you coming out. The information on human trafficking and what it looks like in Plymouth County and Wareham and the uh, surrounding areas was just phenomenal. It, you need to send her out to every <laughs> community. Uh, it was just great, and I really appreciated it. Um, could you kind of talk a little bit about that? Sure. I know I, Kathleen is great. Uh, and Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate and, it. And we're real lucky to have her. And uh, we, we spoke at a, a, a small church in Onset uh, last Thursday or Friday, I think it was. Uh, and Kathleen goes around, and she's one of our human trafficking individuals okay. that talk about it. it talk, she's been involved in that in that uh, that insidious world you know, for a long time. We're trying to prevent it and educate and training on it. Uh, we got a grant probably a year or so back uh, that we partner up with Health Imperatives in Brockton. It's a million, million and a half, $1.5 million. And what we're doing is we're doing training and education on human trafficking. We started a few years back with CSEC. 
commercial sexual exploitation of children. Okay. And, you know, it's funny because when we started doing that, what you ended up seeing was because of all the training. So on one year, we say we had five cases. The next year, we had 25 cases. Right. And somebody said to me, well, is that because you have more? I go, no. It's because people know what to look for now. Right. And therefore, those cases are there trying to help those poor, usually poor young kids, poor young women usually, right. who are being held against their will and they have to fight their way out to make sure that they can survive. So we have to break those cycles. And so that's why we've been working and prosecuting people who are trying to hurt these kids. And once again, challenging cases. Many times, you know, a lot of these people have broken spirits and they have broken souls and they can't go forward and they can't do it. We have a responsibility to the community, I believe, right. that we do the very best we can to get them out of the situations they're in, get them the help that they need, and then go after the perpetrators and do so in that order. 508-996-0500. Good evening. You're live with DA Cruz. Hello. Hey. Yes, you're on the air. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I know somebody that works in the Brockton School, di- Brockton School District and uh, been there for many years, and she's uh, apparently her and her colleagues um, know about the Handle with Care program. I seem to think it's really helpful for, for the kids. Could you uh, talk a little more about that? Uh, yeah, sure. Thanks I mean, for the call, sir. Uh, Handle with Care was a program that really started. We actually called it something. We called it Red Letter when we started it about 12, 15 years ago. And really what it was, it was dealing with children who witness violence in their lives. Okay. And it started from a case that occurred in Brockton whereby some drug dealers went to a multifamily house to rip off a drug dealer. And they went in. They kicked the door in. The problem was they went to the second floor and the drug deal was on the third floor. Right. So on the second floor was a mom and her three kids, 12, 10, and 8. And um, they, they pistol whipped the mom. They shoved her down. And... Things such, and they, they, they finally figured out they were in the wrong place and they left. Police are called. They show up. The next day, where do those kids go? They go to school. Right. And when right. you're 12, 10, and 8, what do you, you think the whole world knows your business. Right. And you walk in the next day and nobody says anything. What does that say to you? They say people don't care. So we saw that, that situation. It was reached out by the Brockton school system, and I, I give them credit for that. And so we said, is there something we can put together? So we got in touch with uh, TLPI, Trauma Learning Policy Initiative, Harvard Law School, and Mass Advocates. And we tried to put together a program, and we ended up trying to make sure we can train the school what to deal with these at-risk kids. And Handle with Care emanated from all this. And the name comes from West Virginia. We did a presentation down, and they came up with a great name of it. But Handle with Care, all it means is this, is that if something traumatic happens – uh, wherever it is, if a, if that town or that city is involved with handle with care, the next day a police officer is going to call the school and they're going to say, Tim Cruz, handle him with care. That's it. Right. They don't talk. They don't break privileges. They don't say what happened. They just know to focus on that child. The schools are trained. It's trauma sensitive to make sure that if they need help, at the, the teacher can help them, the custodian can help them. They get trained too. Or if they have to go somewhere else when they get more help. But they can focus on that child. And maybe that's why this kid the next day who's always been very quiet is, is acting up and throwing things and causing problems and mayhem. We need to help those children because those kids need that help. So that has been part of what we've been doing with drug-endangered children and making sure that we can get them the training, that, that the help that they can to try to stop those cycles. That's what our goal is. 508-996-0500. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with D.A. Cruz here on South Coast Tonight. 1420 W. Back to the show. I'm Chris McCarthy. Marcus Farrow is here as well. And we have the district attorney, Tim Cruz of Plymouth County. So we're having a lovely chat off the air as well. We might have to include that, Marcus, with our podcast. Oh. <laughs> right? But um, just kidding. <laughs> we're not recording yet. But actually, um, one, of the, one of the questions I do have is, what's your philosophy on wiretaps? Do you use wiretaps that often? I know some district attorneys have shied away from the years. Well, I mean, I mean first of all, the, the, the wiretap statute was enacted in 1968. Right. And it hasn't been changed since. 
Neil Armstrong walked on the moon in 1969. Right. Uh, yeah. The world has changed, you know. Right. Uh, and actually, we had a case in Brockton back about uh, 12 years ago, which once again, an individual involved the wiretap, made, made, st- made statements that could construed as an admission. A guy got convicted of first-degree homicide, went to the SJC. The SJC overturned it. And at that point, they said because it was a wiretap violation, because the wiretap statute, the way that it's written, is for quote-unquote organized crime and gang issues are disorganized crime so they said that you should the legislature this is back in 2012 this is judge gantz's decision i believe take out five words which would open the door so you could use more of it okay because right. the, the thing is you can't first of all wiretaps are very expensive especially yeah. when you're dealing with interpreters the other thing is is that you know you, you have to, to it's like any any other warrant you have to have affidavit Probable cause, bring it to a clerk, a court or a clerk, have them approve it. It's only good for a certain period of time, usually right. seven days or so, and then it expires. So I, people always are talking about the, the potential abuses of it. I, I think we're losing an opportunity to try to get some more dangerous drugs, guns, and people off the street. Speaking with uh, District Attorney Tim Cruz. So, um, you know, about, about this election, you know, you, you have uh, Senators Warren and Markey uh, weighing into this race, endorsing against you, former members of Congress endorsing against you. Why have you drawn the ire of, of our, our two senators? Oh, I, I, have, I have no idea. I'm not a progressive. I guess that's what it comes down to. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the endorsements that I have. The Plymouth County Police Chiefs, the professional firefighters of Massachusetts, virtually every police department here in the Commonwealth, uh, in County of Plymouth, uh, labor unions and firefighter unions. The, the Willie Gross, the, the former superintendent of the Boston Police, uh, Chief uh, Davis, you know, uh, same thing. I, I'm dealing with the people that I, that I work with, not with people who sometimes uh, you always hear about them complaining about things. You just don't see them get much accomplished. I, I work. And I work every day to deal with issues that I think some politicians who love going on TV and love going on newspapers. But what have they done? I don't think they've done much of anything. So I'll go with the men and women who every day put their lives on the line and make a difference in people's lives. I'll take them every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Uh, so, um, Mr. District Attorney, one of, the, one of the things obviously we have is a problem with gun crime. Right, gun crime. No matter where you are in any county in America, there's problems with gun crime. But oftentimes, our Second Amendment rights are are the real victim here. Right? How, what's your feeling on legal ownership of firearms? Well, I'm, 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 I I have guns. I mean, I I'll be honest. Oh, with I you. see one right there. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't joking. care. Right. Uh, but no, I, I'll be honest with you. I was not a gun person before I became the DA. Okay. And that's when I started getting threatened. And so at some point, I think when, when my house was firebombed, when I got white powder in the mail, when I was getting things sent to me about my kids' school schedule and things such as that, uh, I, I felt that I have to do something to protect myself and protect my family too. So your house was firebombed. Yeah. There, there was, it was. Oh, whoa! I missed that. It, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's why I looked. At yeah, about, about 15 years ago, it was in the middle of the night. Uh, it was a, a bag of crap soap and gasoline. My house caught on fire, uh, and they never caught the people that did it. Uh, and, you know, I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a mistake that I'm the, I'm the DA. Right. You know, so, you know, people need to understand. And your children's that, schedule was sent to you. That my children's, they, I, I had to move them out of public school because of things against me. I put them in private school and their private schedules were being sent to me as to what, what rooms they were in uh, at 11 o'clock in the morning at these private schools. Now, God forbid now, when my, my oldest son just got, is an, an infantry captain, airborne ranger. <laughs> there we go. Go, go get right. him. Right. Uh, right. You know, but, you know, at the time. Uh, it, it certainly gets your attention, and you know you're wow. just you're just a guy or a gal trying to do a job, 
and yet people are threatening your life. And so your son's a and, ranger. Yeah, and, well, he, well, he he's out now. Okay, good, uh, thank good. fantastic. Uh, but that's a tough school. You know, it, it is. Don Benning, I went to his oh, graduation. Yeah. I was very very proud of him. Um, and you know, he was the kid that night that got up and ran out and chased whoever it was with his BB gun. I think he was fourteen <laughs> or fifteen. Um, so you know, these are difficult and challenging times. And I think that you know, people need to understand this job. You know, and my opponent has said that he doesn't really want this job. Is what he said at, I believe, at, at the Mattapoise, the Democratic Committee. Oh. Yeah, he's being called to it. Doesn't really want it. Well, I, I got to be honest with you. This job is twenty four seven, three sixty five. I've been on call for twenty one years. I am there to go when something happens because that's what I do. And I think that's what you. I'm. I'm not looking at this job to be something special to become a, a senator. I'm not looking at it as a stepping stone. Right. This is what I do. It's what I've always done. I've been doing criminal defense work. I was an ADA defense attorney or DA for 37 years. I'm still here. And I think that people understand that when they see me that we've done a lot of really good things in our county. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to keep people safe and do the very best that we can, making sure that we can uphold the laws and at the same time keep people safe. 508-996-0500. We're going to take a quick commercial break before we close out the hour with DA Cruz. 1420 WBS. I'm Chris. We're just wrapping up here with DA Cruz. Um, so, so just one um, one more question. There's a, there's a bill making it through the legislature to try to open safe, allegedly safe injection sites where we're going to inject narcotics in, in public places. How do you feel about that? It doesn't work. Right. I, mean, I mean, pure and simple. I, 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 listen, I, I, I want people to get, get off these drugs, too. I agree. But enabling people to use these drugs, which are dangerous and which you don't even know what they are, the percentage of, of the, you know, back when I was in ADA back in the 80s, you know, the percentage of heroin, we didn't have fentanyl back then, was probably about 20% pure okay. at that time because of the cut and the inositol, the vitamin B substance that would go in there. You know, nowadays, you're dealing with heroin slash opiates that are 99 to 95% pure. These guys don't know what they're getting. And if they're coming off a time like a rehabilitation period that they haven't been using for a while... Those shots are very powerful. Is there any place you can get really pure cocaine these days? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm joking. But, but you, but, uh, yeah, I'm, joking. I'm, I'm sure there is. <laughs> if, if we you don't have any addresses. No, if we did, they'll probably put it in a warrant right now. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, you know, you know the, 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 that's that stuff's out there, and and I think that you know, to me. Um, you're trying to get people off right now. The biggest detox I know in Plymouth County okay. is a Plymouth County House of Correction. All right. You know, because and, and you know when you talk to parents whose kids are hooked on that stuff, they actually feel good when their kids are in custody because they know where they are and I've they know that. that they're safe. Um, and the kids are going through some terrible things in there. We have to get them off the stuff, and I think that the best way to do that is, is probably when you talk to people that are on it. They said the best thing to do is go cold turkey. It's painful, and you know, it's, but it's mm. not Suboxone. It's, it's not bad. you know. Yeah. But but it's 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 a terrible thing to get on. It's a terrible thing to get off. It's really hard. I've had callers call. I've known people, and they've, that's exactly what they've said. You got to go cold turkey, not to get on the methadone and all the other drugs that are out there. Yeah, we're speaking with uh, Plymouth County District Attorney Tim Cruz. Um, so uh, before we let you go, we appreciate you coming uh, coming in and talking with us, and we we hope you will again. Uh, soon as this campaign progresses, but um, just you know, if you want to make one last uh, quick pitch. Well, I mean, I, I would just say I, I thank you guys very much for the opportunity to come down here tonight and talk to you a little bit. Uh, you know, 
people who know me from Plymouth County, they know me. And, and they know what I'm about and what, and what I do. And I think that, you know, we have a really good staff of people who work really hard. And we're trying to get on the front end and the back end and the middle. Uh, the other progressive way has been proven not to work uh, across America. It's anarchy and chaos versus public safety. People have to understand that. And that when you choose to have laws that are not going to be prosecuted, uh, then you're going to have problems. And you don't have to believe me. Please look across the country. It's right in front of your face. We need to make sure that we bring our place our places, our homes, safe. People should be able to walk down the street safely, be in their homes safely. That's what I want. Uh, and that's what we do to try to fix together all the various things that occur in our job, in our practice, in our county, working together with everybody. Do you have a website or anything you'd like to give out to people? Uh, yeah, my, my, my campaign website is datimcruz.com. And if you're interested in seeing what we've done as in the DA's office, it's plymouthda.com. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.